Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Jerry Norton with Flipping Mastery, and is here to share how he went from low margin, high volume wholesaling flipping to high margin flips through new construction and multi-million dollar flips. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, broker owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the one app you need for wholesaling, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So please message me if you ever need any help with your business. I know people are doing that now, and I appreciate that. I want to give back as much as we can. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave. Please give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I do not charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you to listen to this show. If you get value today, please tell a friend by sharing this episode right now, tagging a friend below, or telling your best takeaway from the show later on. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget, this is a live show, so please post your questions for Jerry to answer. He's an open book, and he's going to tell us everything we need to know. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So first thing is, what got you into real estate? Well, great question. So I've been full-time now for about 15 years, and when I first got into real estate, I was working construction, digging holes, minimum wage, uh, mid-20s, you know, going nowhere in my life. Knew two things. I wanted to change that. I didn't know how. Uh, real estate was one of those things that was always felt kind of elusive. But I was a hustler, and so when I learned about wholesaling, I was like, I can do this. This yeah. is hustle work, because <laughs> wholesaling is hustle work, right? And I can do you're, this. you're mid-20s. Yeah, mid-20s. Which is in line with today's demographic of wholesalers. Yeah, I mean, that's you're right. That's kind of... Yeah, so if you've got some hustle in your mid-20s, most people can do really well with. Yeah. And this was Detroit. Oh. So I was doing low-end, low, low-end. I'm talking <laughs> like five and $10,000 houses, Detroit. Yeah. When okay. I started then. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then somewhere along the way, you got into wholesaling and flipping. Yeah. So what was that journey like? Well, so first I thought I was a buy and hold guy. That's what most people who get into real estate, they think of cash flow rentals. So at the time, what was happening was uh, I was working with a couple wholesalers who were bringing me deals. And I don't know if you remember this, anybody listening in, in 2004, 2005, but they had this, they had this uh, no doc, no verification, no income loan, right? Ninja, ninja <laughs> loans. Like if you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. Yeah. And that was me. I mean, there was, they had no business giving me loans. <laughs> what was happening though, is I, a wholesaler would bring me these deals for like 20, 30. I'd put 20 into them. I'm all in for 50. They'd appraise for 80. <laughs> They would refine me with no no credit, no no nothing. They'd refine me at 50 and I'd turn around and do another one. So this wholesaler, in the course of a year, year and a half, I picked up 20 rental properties, literally, virtually without not having no business doing that. Yeah. And I quickly learned what happened was I I woke up one day and I'm like, this sucks. I don't, I'm not made for this. Where's the money? That was a question I had. Where's the money? And I'm like, these wholesalers that brought me these 20 deals, they were making seven, 10,000 a deal. I was happy because they were fitting the numbers, mm -hmm. right? Right. But I was like, dang, these guys made a lot of money. I haven't seen a dime with these rentals. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. And that's when I kind of had a mind shift change and got out of all of those rental properties. Took me a little while, got out of all of those and went straight wholesaling. Okay. And did wholesaling full time for about two years before I ever touched a rehab. Okay. And then, so you went from that and then you started flipping. Yeah. So then what happened was, is this is Detroit. And what happened was, is I started, I started wholesaling to out of state investors because the bottom fell out. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so all this outside money was coming to Detroit. I called it the cheap factor. So California and then overseas, I'd wholesale them a house, but then they couldn't, they wouldn't buy another one until they got that one fixed up and rented. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, let me help you do that. 
So by default, I got into the renovating. And so then I was doing a turnkey model where I'd, I'd renovate it, put a tenant in it, sell it, ready to go. That's still a popular model today. Yeah, still yeah. works today. But I did, I mean, I was doing 70, 80 of those a year wow. for, for a few years. Wow. Until 08, 09, that mm -hmm. fell out. And at that time I said, I got to reinvent myself. So I took basically what I was doing and went retail. So first time buyer market, the 150 to 200 price point, And I started just continuing what I was doing, but now flipping retail rather than the turnkey rental to okay. investors. Okay. Because my investors were doing the same thing. They would buy one, refi, buy another one, refi. So mm -hmm. I'd sell one guy 10 houses. Yeah. And it was, so it was, it was nice. Well, when they could no longer do that, I could only turnkey to cash buyers. And mm -hmm. so my model basically kind of fell apart. And then at which point <laughs> from there did you turn into... Um, Higher your, end. Your, your, your big transition. Yeah. At one point you said, screw this. Yeah. What, what, Screw what this volume that? model. Well, so a couple things happened. Um, my wife and I had this, we've had this dream for years of traveling with our family in an RV. And we yeah. homeschooled our kids. Mm -hmm. And so we had this vision. But at the time, I was so tied to my business. Like it was a, you know, I was doing 50 to 70 retail flips, fix and flips. And some of your listeners, that's not very impressive. Some of them it, it is. But I was a one-man show doing that. Really? Not real good systems, just running around ragged. So it was... It was not, yeah, at first it was great because it was a lot, I was making good money, mm -hmm. but anybody knows when you're flipping after a while that wears off. Like you're, yeah. you're like, yeah, this, I'm making good money, but I'm not happy working Depressed. like a dog. Yeah. And yeah. I hit that point where I'm like, something's got to change. I'm the money's awesome, but I'm no longer enjoying this. Mm -hmm. Like the thrill of the money's over. <laughs> the right. honeymoon's over. <laughs> I mean, better than digging holes for minimum wage, but it, absolutely. so we, uh, so we started to have this vision of, well, what would that look like? And at the time I was like, there's no way this whole thing would fall apart if I leave for a day, mm -hmm. right? So, and then at the same time, something happened where uh, I did this deal and it was it was way out of my my bread and butter or my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was almost a 400,000 ARV and I'd been flipping 150. In Detroit? Yeah, okay. suburbs. Okay. Yeah, so on my 150 ARVs, I'd make 25, 30 profit, right? Mm -hmm. And I was happy. That was good. I, that's what I thought was the model. Well, I did this house that sold for like 375 or 380, and I made 75,000. Yeah, that's a little better. Yeah. Well, what I did is I said, <laughs> well, wait a minute. I took a step back and I said, wait a minute. It was the same amount of time, energy, and effort to do this one mm -hmm. for 375 as it was for these little ones for 150. Mm -hmm but I made three times as much money. So you went from 25 on 150K to 75K on about uh, 400. On about a 400. Okay. And it, but, it, but here was the big takeaway, same time, energy and effort. Cause mm -hmm. I got to still manage a rehab. I got to get a painter. I mean, things are a little different cause it's a mm -hmm. bigger home and a little nicer, Yeah. but basically and more capital. I mean, that was the big thing, more capital, but apples to apples, it was three times as much money for the same amount of time, energy, and effort. And yeah. that was the biggest aha moment for me was, why am I doing 50 deals a year? Why don't I do 10 and make as, just as much money or maybe even more? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a transition I was going to. At the same time, our family did a 30-day RV trip just to kind of test the waters. Mm -hmm. And we did that trip and it was horrendous. It was horrible. We had the worst <laughs> experience ever. We had so? six kids, oh, six kids. Wow, okay. Well, we <laughs> were, the RV was too small and we were trying to <laughs> cover too much ground. And we got home and we we're like, okay, that dream's over. Cross that out. We're not doing that. <laughs> but it, it, it uh, and my business fell apart while I was gone for 30 days. Okay. Right? So we get back home and we're like, you know, if we would have had a different setup, it would have been better. And if we would have done this different and that different, and we couldn't get away from just that idea of, 
no nowhere to go open road our kids real education learning spending time together and so we came back to it and we got the right rv we did we got this 50 foot i mean it was awesome custom built for us and uh we sold everything mm-hmm. i mean okay my eight thousand square foot house cars boats i was, got rid of everything wow. all we had left steve fit in a one unit storage unit like a one bay storage unit that's all wow. we had left okay pulled the suburban behind the rv left january 15th and went straight to florida because this is michigan winter right straight to three days to florida straight to florida and did a whole year and when i did that it was the biggest leap of faith in my business because i didn't quite have I didn't know how it was going to work out. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, is not being there in the day to day. And also I kind of opened up and I said, you know, why can't I do the same thing in other markets? Why does it have to be Detroit? Uh, there's a learning curve there, but I started yeah. doing deals, you know, outside of my home market, uh, following the same principles, right? A formula and you do these things and comps and all of that. And what I found was when I was forced to not be there in the day to day, I figured out how to manage things remotely and I hardly worked that entire year. Here's the, really? big, here's the big lesson I hope people take away. I hardly worked, I mean, I worked a little bit, but hardly, like mm-hmm. maybe maybe 10 hours a week was about it in the yeah. RV that year. But my real estate business made more money that year than any year previously. What do you and, attribute that to? Well, I attribute that to building systems, first of all, doing higher margin deals. Yeah. Right. That was a big one. But then also finding a way to get stuff done that I didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I couldn't I I was so stunned that I was doing all of these things that I thought I had to do because mm-hmm. I was there. Yeah. That's the biggest temptation. When you're there, you're like, oh, I'll just run out to the property and check on the painter, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. or I'll just go do that. And I wasn't doing any of that anymore. I was I was learning how to outsource all of that. And I found that other people could do it probably better than I could anyway. Mm-hmm. And it just became a thing where I would manage a few processes, doing the right types of deals now, and freed up so much time, you know, not being there at the job sites, not at the deals. Well, so that's crazy, right? So you, you, you had a business that you were, you know, it was going, but you were frustrated with. Uh-huh. And he said, I'll just let someone else manage it. I'm gonna go hit the road and then do what I, the 10 hours a week. And it just kind of took care of itself. Yeah. So you were still getting deals sent to you, to your phone. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how, what year was this? 2013. 2013. So, yep. you know, getting sent to maybe your iPhone. Yeah. Right. And you mm-hmm. would analyze it and then you mm-hmm. say yes or no. And then everyone else is is doing the work. Yep. I even had a first layer analyzing. So I paid a guy 50 bucks to mm-hmm. analyze a deal that would come to me. Yeah. Uh, 50 bucks. Right. Okay. And I don't have to do it now. Right. So he and then if it, it passed him, bucks. then it would come to me. So, so nine out of 10, he'd kill. Mm-hmm. I'd get the one that passed the sniff test. So you paid him 50 bucks regardless uh-huh. of whether or not you took it down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's he, serious. Yeah. And it, but it didn't really cost that much. For yeah. me not having to do it anymore, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it was huge. Yeah. Just that alone ch- transformed my entire business. That was a big nugget. Yeah. Yeah. And there's guys that know this business. Like I, so I, so this guy is a five deal a year guy, mm-hmm. full time, but he's a, he's a, I'm gonna run to Home Depot, I'm gonna do this. So as a side thing for me, he analyzes my deals, paying 50 bucks, he makes a couple grand a month. I don't have to do it. Saves me hours. Yeah. And he knows what I'm looking for, so I've trained him well on, there's two things, right? ARV and repairs. Yeah. You get those two right, then you can you can get your buy number. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's it's been working really well. Okay, any other like big takeaways that you could you could you know expound upon right now? Yeah, so the... my, like if, if someone were to say to me, you know what, 
and I, this was one of your questions you were at, you were asking me earlier was you know what advice would you give like somebody new in the business really anybody is uh, the thing the mistake I made in the beginning was the same mistake everybody makes which is this mindset of if I hustle then that's how I'm going to win and that's how I'm going to get ahead but here's the thing if you work a hundred hours a week then you are only two and a half times an average employee working 40 weeks. Mm -hmm. That is huge for me because two and a half times working 100 hours a week, that's seven days a week, that's every waking hour you're working. And all you're getting is a two and a half times gain, that's mm -hmm. not scalable. No, it's not scalable. It's not scalable, why would you do that? Yeah. So I have a different mindset of figure out your lifestyle first. And in today's day and age, there's two things you need to, to scale a business without overworking. It's technology mm -hmm. and it's people. Right. Right. If you've got technology and you're using technology right, you can save so much time. Right. And if you've got the right team people doing things, then they can save you so much time. So I've been I focused now on the past several years on how do I how do I build out my technology and maximize and optimize mm -hmm. and how do I get the right people doing the right things? And those two things allow me to not overwork, but still grow and scale my businesses. Now, it sounds really simple, right? It's just those two things. It, it's But <laughs> each of those two things is amazingly detailed, right? So I, I've, I've told many people, like, I'm incredibly blessed that I have amazing people behind me. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have the people behind me, I wouldn't be doing this show right now. I'd be returning phone calls, text messages, yeah. whatever. So, But it took me a long, long time of personal development to yeah. get this point as far as the people side, right? Totally. And then technology side, uh, so I have an app that we've created mm -hmm. and it's working, you know, we're getting good feedback, mm -hmm. but that wasn't easy. So you mm -hmm. built your technology. Are you dealing with developers? You, you're, yeah. you're negotiating with the programmers? What, what is that like? So I have all my own software that we've created mm -hmm. and it's, uh, uh, so my, my deal management platform is called Flipster and it's an entire- Oh, that's your company. Uh-huh. Oh, I've heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So we developed that. It's, a, it's for flippers, mm -hmm. wholesaling and fix and flip but it's an entire platform for managing every part of the business. So okay. everything from everything from acquisition, analyzing, offering, whole, wholesaling, your cash buyers, your CRMs, your right. website, like all of it, A to mm -hmm. Z funding, everything, proof of funds. So we built a platform and I basically just took everything I've been doing for years that's been on spreadsheets and kind of mm -hmm. all over and put it in an all-in-one, all-inclusive platform where you can yeah. just manage everything and it communicates with itself. and. So it's really cool. That alone has really helped me grow my business and manage it. Because here's the thing, you you can do one or two deals and be unorganized. Right. But if you want to start scaling, you start forgetting. I mean, I don't know who I talked to yesterday and oh, where, yeah. where'd that go? And you're driving across town looking for your paperwork or Did I tell a mess. Him that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was a mess. Like that's mm -hmm. how I operated for a long time. And so that tool, uh, we have some really cool deal analyzer tools, some uh we have I have one tool that is an on market deal finder tool and we get 1500 2000 downloads of that software because mm -hmm. i give it away for free okay a week we get 2000 people download that a week amazing and it's just a time-saving tool for on market what it does is it it basically gives you a list of everything that's underpriced mm -hmm. which is probably a motivated seller yeah but it weeds through everything on market and says here's 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 what's under the average price per square foot mm -hmm. here's the percentage below and then there's a way to organize and manage that data to yeah. keep it, you know. So it's just a time saver, but it's huge. Absolutely, to have something like yeah. That. If you're doing deals, it's it's a, it's a, a no brainer. So the way I do my, if you're interested, Steve, I have a I have a uh, development team that's in Pakistan, mm -hmm. and they're a three person team. My my lead developer is like twelve bucks an hour. He would be a hundred and eighty thousand dollar a year U.S. 
guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we priced them out. <laughs> we priced them out. They're, they're, yeah, they're, he's amazing. And he's living probably top of the food chain in yeah. Pakistan. Right. You know, and, yeah. he, and he manages a couple of guys. So when, when we do a big project, he'll, we just deal with him. He brings on help. And that's how we kind of build out all our software and tools. It's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so you're a licensed broker. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. So right when I got into real estate, um, I got my license, not mm-hmm. for not for being a real estate agent, but just to have access to the MLS. Yeah. Because I wanted to set up my own showings, I wanted to access properties, mm-hmm. and I wanted to run comps. Right. And in 0405, these other tools like Zillow, Redfin, they weren't developed really mm-hmm. then. I mean, yeah. if you didn't have MLS, it was hard to do the business. You're flying dark. Yeah, I mean, you could get an agent, but then you're always waiting on the agent. So I just got it for my own investing. Mm-hmm. What I found was every year, the broker would pull me in and he would say, you know, you're not, you're not making any sales. Cause I was, I was doing deals, but not right. running them through the brokerage. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to find a new broker. <coughs> so, so finally I just said, you know what, screw this. Get, I'm going to get my own broker's license. I don't got to answer to anybody. Yeah. So that's why I did. I got my broker's license. Uh, that license, that broker is still active in Michigan. I mm-hmm. have, you know, usually five or 10 agents that, uh, work under that brokerage. Mm-hmm. I spend maybe a couple hours a year in in that business because I've got a I've got someone that manages those guys and super hands off and yeah uh, but I keep it active and it's great and they pay me basically a, a per transaction fee and okay. then and then I tell them don't ever ask me for anything I don't want to hear about it <laughs> follow the rules and the law and pay, oh, your, pay your insurance pay we're your, telling you know, insurance. them to follow the rules <laughs> <laughs> so and they're okay. all investors yeah. so you know. Um, and then you have, I, I was kind of uh, surprised. So I was telling my buddy, Max, you know, Jerry's coming on the show, yeah. Jerry Norrie. He's like, oh, that's the guy with the with the, the big following. Uh, he's got the program, whatever, or not the program. He's got the YouTube channel. Oh. So mm-hmm. I looked it up. I was like, you've got like 14,000 subscribers. What's that about? Well, just to put that in perspective, my goal is a million. Subscribers? So <laughs> a million subscribers, yeah. Okay. And it's cool. not about the subscribers. That's just the benchmark. So everything I've done in my training business for the past, you know, eight, nine years, I was telling you this before the show, it's all been paid advertising. So, you know, I'll pay to run ads. I'll get people in my funnels that do my books and my programs and my home study courses mm-hmm. and my coaching and all of that. But it's been a, so I look at that following though, and we built like a million subscriber email list. And so mm-hmm. I know, I know online marketing, I know email marketing, I know those things, but what I haven't done is I haven't built any kind of, in my opinion, any kind of organic uh, following by giving, by really being impactful, mm-hmm. right? Or so now I've completely changed the, I mean, we're still going to do advertising cause it works, but now what I want is I want to really have influence and impact, but I want to do it organically. I don't want to pay my way to it. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to build that by giving good content. So yeah. that's the goal with the YouTube channel. We're doing a video a day on the channel. Um, but like I was telling you, my, my vision isn't, you know, 15, 20,000 subscribers. It's a million subscribers because that, for me, that'll be a benchmark that I'm really having a massive impact. Yeah. So, but I've got to, I've got to be able to really put out good content, consistent content and have it mean something to somebody for it to really happen. Well, yeah. I mean, to have, uh, when I was looking at it, like a video a day, just <laughs> nuts. I can't even imagine doing that. So yeah, that's real estate freedom TV guys. If you guys want to check it out, it's pretty cool. Um, yep. And it, it looks like we were talking about impact and, mm-hmm. and, and giving back, you know, financial freedom seems mm-hmm. to be the message, the core message. Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like I was saying a minute ago, uh, I want to I want to be, you know, we're, we're dead a whole lot longer than we're alive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I want that to mean something. And so uh, too often people get into real estate and it's about the stuff. It's about the money. It's about the house and mm -hmm. the luxury cars. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want nice stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want that to be my sole focus. And it was for a while. It was all mm -hmm. about the money. Right. But uh, I've got eight kids and I want to be balanced. I don't want to overwork. I love real estate, but if, if I'm honest, it's not about houses, mm -hmm. right? It's about what that provides. And so for me, I look at it, there's four things. There's be, do, give, and be, do, have, and give, right? Be the person, develop yourself, your talents, your hobbies, uh, be able to have nice things, right? And, and do nice things, but also give back in a meaningful way and, and be able to do those things that really matter. And I think the only way to do that is to have time. Mm. And the only way to have time, I think you have to have financial financial first, but if you're, and if you're careful, then that can free up time. So one of my mentors, and this is kind of where I learned this, one of my mentors taught me that too many entrepreneurs get into business and they, they have this mindset of, you know, in the beginning, I'm gonna work 80 hours a week and 100 hours a week. And then someday in the near future, hopefully, I'm gonna arrive. Yeah. And as soon as I arrive, then I'm gonna live my dream lifestyle. Right. But what happens is during those two or three years, you develop habits. And then they get there and they could, they could change, but mm -hmm. they don't change. Right. Because they've just developed these habits. Yeah. So I've kind of looked at things and said, any project I take on, I look at it and I say, can I do it without overworking and becoming imbalanced? If mm -hmm. I can't, and I don't see a clear way to do it, then don't do it. Right. So that's kind of my filter is, is, is it gonna jeopardize the, my ideal lifestyle? Is there a way for me to do that thing, but, but not, not become imbalanced by doing it and overworking? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm I, not perfect at it. Oh, no, no. But I try. So and, that's, but that's one of the things that you know, we try to impart on, on, uh, uh, at our brokerage and mm -hmm. the other people that we, we work with is that everyone has this idea that you've got this business and you fit your life around it. Yeah. Right. And it's backwards. It's backwards. You got your life. Yeah. And your business serves your life. Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of people get that wrong. Yeah. That's why when I look at deals, so let's say a deal comes in and I put it through a filter and my filter is first, my first filter is what do I have going on in my life right now? Mm -hmm. If it's, if I've got a lot going on personally in my life, then my, my step is wholesale it. Mm -hmm. Cause then you're done. Right. All right. If I've got bandwidth, so my second filter is then, okay, business-wise, does this deal make sense to take on? So I either wholesale it or I fix and flip it. So fix and flip is a whole nother layer of management, right? Because mm -hmm. you gotta get funding, you gotta do a renovation. So then I say, is it worth the return on investment? Is this worth the time, energy, and effort it's gonna take me to take on this deal? And if I've got the bandwidth personally and in my business, I'll take it on. If I don't, I wholesale it. And I love that model. Right, it's a great model. It's a great model because it keeps you in check mm -hmm. so that you're not, overdoing it. Too many people are like, I'll take it on, I'll take it on, I'll take it on. And next thing you know, you're working, you're overworking and your relationships are falling apart, your spirituality, your personal, like your health, all those things go secondary mm -hmm. and it's all about the deal. Right. Fastest way to broke. Yeah. And miserable and unhappy. Yeah. So uh, guys, remember this is a live show, so please do ask your questions. Okay. So we talked about you were doing 50, 75 deals in Detroit, mm -hmm. right? And you were wholesaling. It was a low it was a high volume, low margin business. Mm -hmm. So a low margin on those wholesales and flips. You were, so flip was 25K. What was the wholesale? Wholesale 710. 710. Yeah, every now and then I'd get a, like a 12 or 13. Yeah. And then that was a big deal. Now that's no, that's not a big deal at all. Right. You know, we're so, in a different market. But So back then that was the, mar uh, and I think those numbers are pretty consistent with yeah. today. Right? Yeah. If someone's wholesaling and flipping, yeah. 
they're know, pretty average. Seven to thirteen is, mm-hmm. a, is is a good target for yep. wholesale, and the flip is twenty to thirty. Mm-hmm. Right. So now for entry talking, level, for entry, for entry level, level yeah. right. And so you're you're talking about new construction and luxury. So yeah. let's start with luxury, okay. and we'll talk about new construction. Luxury. What is your um, wh- how do you define luxury? And after that, what's your target acquisition? Great. So to me, I think the safe place for people to transition to is the three to 600 mm-hmm. because that's still, that's, I wouldn't call that luxury. I, I no. typically call luxury over 600 okay. in most markets. Now in California, you can buy a shed, you know, crap or in New York city or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. But in most markets, you start to change into a luxury buyer, usually over six, 700, because now you got to start thinking about you know, do I put in a, a sub-zero $20,000 fridge? Mm-hmm. You know, am I doing like crazy crown or am I going really, so so your strategy- The details matter more. Details start to matter a whole lot more. Not yeah. three to six though. Three to six is basically the same thing you're doing at 150, 200 yeah. in a nicer neighborhood and a bigger home. Right. So now it's 4,000 square foot instead of 1,800. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, other than that, you're almost doing the same granite, the same everything else. Mm-hmm. You're just a different neighborhood, so it's it's an easy transition, but your margins go way up. Yeah. So I like the three to six is kind of that's now my low end mm-hmm. is three to six. Luxury though is pushing that six to a million, a million two, a million three. So, for example, I've got a deal right now up in Scottsdale. Uh, bought it for six thirty. Our we're almost done. Our rehab was two, a little over two, and we've got a couple interested buyers at one point two. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're looking at about a 400 gross and I've got obviously closing fees and carry and stuff, but a gross $400,000 spread on one deal. Yeah. And it's still a six month turn, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're turning it in six months, hopefully maybe, maybe a little longer time on market, uh, right? Because you're at that price point where you might have to wait for that buyer a little bit longer, but nothing really changes a whole lot more on my lower end model other than you better really understand that buyer, what they want. Get get so get a designer and mm-hmm. like don't guess. Yeah. On your on your electrical fixture, on your light fixtures and your you know don't guess. <laughs> Bring in a professional. Get in get experts. So I I get experts. I get expert agents and designers, mm-hmm. and I really try to make sure I know that buyer way more than you don't need to know your buyer at two hundred grand. Yeah. You don't no. need to know that buyer. It's a lot of them. They're just well, there's a know, lot of those guys out there. Yeah, and it's easy to figure out what's in style today and mm-hmm. all of that. But but at the higher ends, you really got to know your buyer. It's very market specific. But you know, think about it. I'd have to do 15 houses at 25 a pop, mm-hmm. right, or whatever, 12 or 12 or so to make the same on just this one deal. And here's the thing: there's way less competition buying a house for 600. There's almost no competition. There's almost budget. no competition. Yeah. So not all markets can support it. Mm-hmm. Arizona can, right? And so you got to hit. But every market has their high end. Mm-hmm. Every market does. I don't yeah. care what market you're in. There's there's suburbs that are your million dollar neighborhoods, right? So that's where you go. And there's you'll find that it's, you know, I I think eighty percent of fix and flippers are under two hundred thousand ARV. Yeah. So maybe another ten percent go from two hundred to maybe three fifty. Mm-hmm. Virtually none maybe 5% are the higher end flippers. Right. So, so it's a different world there. So we're looking at, uh, so 600 plus, right? So you're buying this one for 600 and we're talking about gross margin of 400. What is, well, A, how did you, how did you source that mm-hmm. deal? Yep. Well, so uh, I started, I picked Desert Mountain, mm-hmm. Scottsdale, and then we just started really looking. So I like to look at new construction first. Mm-hmm. And if I can understand the new construction market, 
then I can kind of I can kind of see what retail's doing on flips mm -hmm. around that. So same homes that are going on there that are uh, your remodel homes, and then I try to figure out okay, well, if this is what the new construction buyer looks like, what does the what does the retail in that same neighborhood or that same area look like? Mm -hmm. And so I but I always kind of go in first with new construction in mind. Okay, and like I'll give you like in, for example in Fountain Hills here, we're doing one where. Um, bought the lot for 100. We're doing about an 800 construction, maybe 850 build, 4,500 square foot. And so I'm all in around nine and maybe 950, but um, back end's one four. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's a 4,500 square foot. I know my buyer, it's a second home buyer from Canada that buys new construction in Fountain Hills. Yeah. And I know, because I've done my homework to learn what does that buyer want? What, you know, no steps at all, Oh yeah. you know, right. And, yeah. and what kind of, so pool and kitchen and all of that, we spent a lot of time trying to learn. Um, but from that and understanding that buyer, I can now start to look at the rest of Fountain Hills, for example, mm -hmm. and understand, well, there's a certain buyer that is not the new construction, notch it down. Now, what are they looking for? And how do I provide a product that's like new construction? Yeah is typically the way I'll go. Okay. Uh, but going back to the other property in Scottsdale, how did you source that specific deal? I just decided that I want to, I want to, I want to search that area. It was on market. It was on market. Yeah, it was on okay. market. Yeah. So it was on so, market and there's three or four more that I'm really eyeing. Yeah. You know, I got to prove this one cause it's a little, <laughs> I'm pushing the market at one too. All right. You know, so, I'm pushing so you, the market. So you sourced it, you've taken it down. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm assuming you have, lenders that you work with on, mm -hmm. on a first name basis that give you pretty good rates. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, what, what, what but is- But I do 100% funding. So 100% funding. Mm -hmm. What about the rehab? So what I do is I do, I usually do an 80-20 or a 90-10. So I'll get, I'll get uh, hard money, mm -hmm. asset lenders at the 80 to 90%. Okay. And then private money on the, so that's total. So purchase and rehab, mm -hmm. right? And get, and that's what's so cool about the market today hard money lenders are cheaper than they've ever been. Oh yeah. I mean, like single digits. I mean, mm -hmm. are you kidding? I paid, I paid 15 to 18% when I first started mm -hmm. and eight points, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it was all that was available. Right. Right. You know, so, so now if you can show a track record, you can get down to 9% one point. Mm -hmm. If you can, now, if you're new, you might be paying 12%, two points, mm -hmm. uh, 80%. So come in with 20%. So I'll use private money to cover the other 20%. I'm hundred percent in. Okay. So, you said six months whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, you you manage a crew? You have a crew? What what's that look like? Yeah, so there's two models there. I like the GC model and manage the GC. Mm -hmm. Now I haven't always been under that belief, uh, but you have to if you want to scale. Yeah, and you have to if you want to do remote. So like I just did a deal in Houston, Texas. It was a Hurricane Harvey house. I I've never saw the property once. Mm -hmm. Not once. I didn't go out there in the beginning, middle or end. And so I had to rely heavily on my, I've got a system I follow for my remote deals. Yeah. And it's basically, you got to have a GC, you got to budget higher than you normally would, right? Because if yeah. you want a good GC, you're going to pay for it. Yeah. So I go into every deal 20% higher than my competition. Mm -hmm. So I got to work harder because I got to buy it less because I'm paying more, mm -hmm. but I, I want to build in my management into the deal. And then my system is I have a narc who follows up on the, I call him a narc. But it's basically someone that goes out to the property. He was the tattletale back in school. He's the tattletale. Yeah. Yeah. And those <laughs> guys are cheap. I mean, all I want them to do is go out there and take pictures and video and tell me what's going on. It's kind of like a secret shopper. 
And the, and the GC never knows when the narc's showing up. Yeah. So he can't screw with me. Okay. Yeah. That's a huge, I mean, that's a huge nugget. Yeah. Right. I pay so. him. So I find someone really local. Usually it's a freelance photographer on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Cause all I need him to do is go out there and take video and pictures and tell me what's going on. That's right. it. He doesn't need to know any construction, nothing. Doesn't right. need to talk to anybody. So he'll <laughs> go out there at 10 AM and say, uh, there's nobody here. And I'll call my GC and I'll say, yeah, we're working away. no you're not and so now i take massive action to correct if we're off off our timeline but i don't need to be there that's incredible i mean you outsource really just about everything so you got the you got the narc and you Mm -hmm. got the gc Mm -hmm. um that's pretty much it right that's all i I need am i missing anything no i mean i'll what i'll do is i'll get i'll the very first thing i do so when i get an overseas deal or overseas Mm -hmm. remote deal out of state deal um the very first thing I do before I even pick my GC or anything is I decide who my listing agent's going to be. And I go for a top selling agent and I make them double as my designer. Mm -hmm. So they come in right from the very beginning and they tell me this is what you should do and not do Mm -hmm. because they know, right? They've got the buyers, they know their market. Now don't do this with any agent, but a really top selling agent. Mm -hmm. And they love it because I tell them, look, I plan on doing 12 to 15 deals in this market. I get them to do it for a flat fee, my whole thing. What's the flat fee? 1500 bucks. Oh, geez. Okay. Now you're not going to like that. As no, a no, no. As a broker, no. I am Maybe offended. we stop talking that model I'm aff- now. I'm offended right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then now that, what, what would be the net profit percentage of the deal like uh, in a luxury? Like what's the target? So I still try to follow the 70% formula. Mm-hmm. So ARV times 0.7, less repairs. Mm-hmm. And that gives me about a 15% profit margin. Okay, so 15% profit margin is, is the target after yeah. GCs paid, agents mm-hmm. paid, net, net, in the net. bank. Yep, 15. And a lot of people look at that and they go, well, why aren't you happy to make 200 instead of 400? The reason why is you're taking a bigger risk. Yeah. Right, you're borrowing more capital. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes you're you're not right on, you might have to sit a little. I mean, there's things that can go wrong. So. Six months turns I into better hit months. a home run. Yeah, I better hit a home run. Yeah. So I want that. I still want that fifteen percent margin. Yeah. On the even on the big ones. Okay. You and you should. Like right. you deserve it. You should. Yeah. Uh, so now let's, let's 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 take a turn. Whereas that was that was luxury multi millions multi million. Is the same margin for multi million three million same mm-hmm. target? Okay. Yeah. Now new construction. Not a lot of people are are involved with new construction. Yeah. So talk about what new construction. So like. your formula is not, it's slightly different, but what's, what's as the fix and flip formula, mm-hmm. it's a little different because basically in, with fix and flip, you got two things. You got your house and the rehab. Mm-hmm. With new construction, you have your lot and the build, mm-hmm. but you're still dealing with kind of two things. So with new construction, everything is about price per square foot. Like that's the measurement. You look at everything. So your build price per square foot and um, your, your, and your sale price per square foot. So once you convert your thinking with new construction to price per square foot, mm-hmm. it allows you to really understand how to look at, at that model. So, and a really general rule is whatever you're selling for price per square foot, so let's take $400 a foot, price mm-hmm. per square foot, you wanna be building, now this isn't always the case, but it's just a general rule, you wanna be building for 200 a square foot. Mm-hmm. So you, your cost to build is 200 a square foot, you're selling at 400 bucks a square foot. Obviously you have your lot now in there and your lot, if you're about 10 to 15% of your sale price, mm-hmm. 
So I'm trying to ballpark a little yeah, bit yeah, here. Yeah, no, but, but it is good. It kind of gives you a way now to look at things. So, right. so but but what's nice about new construction is all of the guesswork is gone. Yeah. Like what I do is I run my numbers. I think I've got my numbers, but then I, I spend the money upfront for my design, my architectural plans. Mm-hmm. And I'll spend $10,000, $15,000 typically on a set of plans, custom plans. When I say custom, I want to I want an architect to build a plan on that lot. Yeah. Capturing views or whatever. The right layout, where your oh, garage so you is. Can't, you, we can't reuse. No, it's not internet plans for a dollar a foot. No. <laughs> not when you're doing high end. Right, right. Now, if you're building a 300,000, yeah, buy yeah. it off the internet and plop it on a 50 foot lot or whatever. Yeah. So we custom build it. That'll You'll have to invest ten to $15,000, but now you can bid that out. Mm-hmm. And when you bid it out, you bid it to the dime. It's all new, right? So mm-hmm. contractors now, there's no guesswork unless you there's change no, something. There's no surprises when we no open surprises. this bathtub. No surprises, yeah. Oh my gosh, rehabbing, it's like, I've done hundreds of rehabs and every single one, it's like, well, we didn't know that was there. And mm-hmm. whoops, now we're over budget. Right? Yeah, we didn't know the sewer line was, was done. <laughs> yeah. So that's what's, it's more predictable. And mm-hmm. think about it, you know, there's nationally traded builders there's not very many nationally traded rehabbers. Yeah. Because every deal is unique to the deal. Mm-hmm. Whereas construction, no. You can have a model and it's you can understand your cost up front. So then when I bid it out to builders, right? Mm-hmm. Now I know my numbers and I can say, does this make sense? Do I move forward? So I've done lots of deals where I've invested 10, 15,000, found out that my cost to build is way higher than I thought. Right. Now it doesn't make sense, I don't do the deal. Yeah. And that goes back to when we were talking about earlier about a 15% margin, because you have these other deals where you're spending 50 bucks every time for the guy to underwrite it. And you got these hard costs that yeah. no deal happens. You still got that hard cost. Yeah. Yeah. But well, here's what's so cool about new construction. The other thing I love about it is you can be way more creative mm-hmm. on your acquisition with lots. So, so lot owners will sell their lots and they're way more open to creative financing oh, yeah. than they have to be. They have to be because it's dirt and there's no value in yeah. it right right now. Mm-hmm. So I'll buy a lot of my dirt um, on terms. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get that lot owner to subordinate and carry. So they'll carry it for me and they'll subordinate, meaning they'll take a backseat to my construction right. loan. Or a second lien. And now my construction lender will look at the lot as my acquisition, as my uh, equity, mm-hmm. and they'll give me 100% construction. So now I'm doing a deal, 100% financed. Yeah. That's and I didn't put a dime down on the lot because mm-hmm. t- I'll tell the lot owner, I'll say, I'll give you 200 for your lot, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to wait to get paid till I sell it. Mm-hmm. But it's not selling, it's sitting there and you haven't been able to sell it. So all I need you to do is subordinate to my construction lender. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still leaned up, right. it's just second place. Yeah. Once we sell the house, you get paid your 200,000 and you get your lot moved. Okay. And now that $200,000 lot, the bank or my construction lender will now look at that as basically 200,000 down. Mm -hmm. And then they'll give me the six or 700 or whatever for construction. So 100% finance. That's, that's incredible. So then are you still looking at the same profit margin of 15% Mm -hmm. for new construction? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then how do you acquire those? New construction? Well, now you're, now you're sourcing lots. Mm -hmm. And so you gotta, you gotta start to really understand what's your new construction market. So you always start with what is new construction selling for? And that's the same as flipping, right? What's my ARV? Mm-hmm. Now we don't call it after repair, we would call it new construction sale price. Right. And so you start there. Now you got the second thing you gotta figure out is, well, what's it gonna cost me to build 
that house that sold for, you know, 2.5 million or whatever, mm-hmm. start to figure out that number and then run your formula and get to your lot buy. And now you know what you got to acquire your lot for. Yeah. So it's pretty similar, right? With houses, you, you right? So you, you back, with, back with flipping, into yeah, you back into your buy. Yeah. So here you're backing into your lot buy mm-hmm. following pretty similar process. So then the same construct, are the same GC that's doing your rehab, or is that the same GC that's building these properties? No. Or completely different GC? Yeah. So okay. they're builders. Okay. So I'll hire a builder to do the new construction, usually. So yeah. like, is there like a builder that you, like you like in town or? Um, well, so every market's different. So mm-hmm. in my, so I do new construction in Utah and in Utah, the builder, like the be a builder is so competitive that there's a lot of them and I can hire a builder for a flat rate of like 25 grand. Mm-hmm. Like here in Arizona, they want 15%. You know, it's, it'll cost me 180 grand to hire that builder where I can do the same thing in another market for like a really low flat fee. Yeah. So I'm always trying to figure out like, how do I do this? Yeah. What's the right way to do it? Fascinating. Yeah. Every market's a little different. So the other thing we talked about, we talked about luxury. We talked about new construction. Now we're talking about virtual mm-hmm. flipping. So we, there's virtual wholesaling and there's some people that, that play in that space. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard a lot of people virtual flipping. So talk about that. Well, fix and flip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that GC narc system. You've got mm-hmm. to really have good eyes on the ground. Yeah. And it's still not foolproof. Like I've gotten, I've, I've gotten into some bad, whenever I get over my head on a virtual, it's because I'm not getting the right information. Yeah. And my GC is taking me for a ride. So mm-hmm. I end up, I end up not having the quality that it needs to be cause he's cutting corners cause mm-hmm. he knows I'm not there every day looking at it. Yeah. So the way that you prevent some of that from happening is you got to have a really good eyes on the ground. So my agent's got to be eyes on the ground. My narc's got to be eyes on the ground. And my GC better be an honest, good GC. If you can get those three things, mm-hmm. then you can do deals remotely. Um, but I look at every time I go into a remote market, I try not to look at one and done because there is a learning curve. Yeah. Every new market, there's a learning curve. So I look at it and say, I like this market. I like what's going on here. Um, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not so worried about my first deal as I am my fourth or fifth deal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's find the right team. Maybe that takes a deal or two to get that right. I don't do so well. I mean, I don't want to lose money, Right. but I'm, but I'm looking at it a little more long-term than just like one deal. Okay. You know, that makes sense. But I have a, you know, I have a pretty healthy relationship with risk and fear and most people don't. Yeah. A, a lot of people that want to get into flipping, they really struggle with that fear and what fear of, well, fear of messing up, fear mm-hmm. of losing money. Yeah. And anybody I coach, I tell them you're going to like, just, let's right. just get that out of the way. You're going to lose money on a deal. And they look at me like, what? <laughs> you're going to lose money on a deal. Just, yeah. just a matter of time. <laughs> if you're not, then you're not in the game long enough or, right. you know, you're not, you're not doing the game right because you know, nobody bats a thousand percent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's a Hall of Fame baseball player? 300, 350? 300, yeah. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That means you're not getting on base seven times. So I kind of look at it and I say, at the end of the year, did I win more than I lost? Mm-hmm. And make sure that that margin, that, <laughs> that ratio is really good. But you have to, right? Because you're not going to hit it. You're not going to do it perfect every time mm-hmm. on every deal. Yep. Uh, so Max has a question. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit, but... You know, someone that's 
wholesaling right now in this market, right? Yeah. So that, that's who's listening right now. You know, mm -hmm. A lot of them, 25, 30. Yeah. And they're wholesaling today. So what advice would you give them if they want to make this uh, pivot to mm -hmm. not just flipping, but luxury flipping? Well, so if you're, if you're wholesaling, what I would say to a wholesaler is really sit down and think about your end game. Mm -hmm. Very few wholesalers stay wholesalers. Yeah. It's a hard life because it's such a hustle life. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, it's not conducive to uh, a really, the, the ideal lifestyle for most wholesalers. Mm -hmm. Now I'm generalizing because there are some that just ramp their model up and they just crush it and they yeah. just stay wholesalers. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, what I've seen is people transition from wholesaling into the next step would be starting to do some fix and flips. Mm -hmm. Because you start to look at it and you go, you know, I passed that deal off for 10 grand that fix and flipper just made 40. Wait a minute, what's he doing that I can't do? Yeah. And you start to think about, well, maybe I should transition into that. And so those are some things to kind of think about. Well, where do you want to be? Where, where or Do you want to stay a wholesaler? Do you like that model so much so that you, you could see yourself doing it in 10 years? If the answer is no, then start to think about what that looks like and what do you need to learn? What do you need to do to kind of start to transition into that. Mm -hmm. And that can be a two-year plan. I mean, for me, I did it two years, five, six deals a month, and I was happy as could be. It was great. Um, but I looked at the business and I said, I want to always progress. How do I learn? What's the next thing for me to do to progress in my journey? And yeah. it's either do more wholesales or transition into higher profit deals. Yeah. And so that's kind of one thing to really think about with, with uh, wholesaling. Okay. Well, I like that. Um, so... Is there anything that you attribute your success to? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that flip. Mm -hmm. what, what, what's, what's been the key to your success? I would say uh, b developing my mindset more than anything else. So when I, when I first started wholesaling, I knew my mindset was wrong. I had a really bad mindset, a scarcity mindset. I grew up poor. I had a belief that success was directly correlated with how hard you worked. That's what my dad taught me, good principle. And my dad taught me the same. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't equate to money. Like no, there's no relationship. You yeah. tie the relationship. Yeah. So I thought I'm gonna, if I work really, really hard for a long time, then I'll see the fruits. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a lot of work to change the mindset to more of a work smarter, not harder to get ahead and more of a, a business mindset. And so this, this is like the biggest thing I could say to somebody is, especially wholesalers, don't focus on doing a deal because maybe you do a deal, maybe you make some money, but in flipping every deal you do, you're out of business, right? You got to do another deal to make money again. Mm -hmm. And so, so many flippers chase a deal instead of building a business that does deals. Yeah. And if you can adapt the mindset of how do I build a business that does deals? Because now you have processes, you have systems, you have you start to build a team, you start to think outside of chasing and hustling and doing a deal. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that you can really scale in this business and maintain a good work-life balance and, and have a good lifestyle is yeah. you've got to develop out the business side of this. And I see so many wholesalers that just, they just focus on the, the deal, the next deal, the next deal, and they're inefficient. And they're working really hard, yeah. But they're not getting ahead. They're they're no they're no better off than they were last month or last year because mm -hmm. they they're not developing out the business. So 
build the so, business. So let's talk about that a little bit because we talked about you know you got your guy that underwrites for fifty bucks, and you got you got the NARC and the, and the GC, but that's property specific mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. So your operations today, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, how many flips do you have going on right now? So um, just a handful. Just a handful. Yeah, I just okay. do. I just have a handful of deals going on right now at any given time. So who who's on staff in your organization? So everything I'm doing on my so on my deal business, mm-hmm. everything is. Uh, location specific. Mm-hmm. So wherever, wherever I'm doing a deal, I'm going to build my my local team there. Okay. And that's my GC, my NARC, my agent. Those are my three key people. You know, titles important, but that's right. not as critical. Mm-hmm. You know, but those are my three. Maybe a designer. If I'm doing higher end, mm-hmm. then I need to I need a good designer. Um, but I'm going to build my local team there. And then the other thing that I do that's been really instrumental to my business as is bird dogs. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to do a million mailings, literally a million mailings a year. In 2012, I did a million mailings. Like that was my total mailings I did. Wow. And I did crazy marketing and now I've transitioned. It's taken a while, but now I've got bird dogs uh, nationwide Yeah. and I teach them, here's my criteria. Here's tools to go like find deals. I'll mm-hmm. train you and teach you, but find deals that meet my criteria and bring them to me. Yeah. So now... I no longer chase deals, deals chase me. Yeah. And I mean, you're bringing me some deals. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of my model now is if you buy into the bird dog model, it's the most brilliant model ever. Right. Right. Wholesalers, bird dogs, finders. I kind of put them all in the same category. It's Mm -hmm. other people that are willing to do the marketing, the negotiating, get the contracts and bring them to me. As long as they're in my formula, I don't care how much they make on a deal. Yeah. As long as it fits my criteria, my formula. And that now has, has allowed me to really stop all acquisitions department completely. Yeah. So you don't have to have an acquisition department, a marketing department. It's just deals just come. If you build a good referral network, a good right. bird dog network. So yeah. then the other part we we're talking about was you're either going to flip or you're going to wholesale. Yeah. So on the wholesaling side, are you the disposition arm? So are you the one that's passing that on? No. So my... my uh, my same guy, so we have a process where we, basically if I don't want it, but it's a deal, mm-hmm. we co-wholesale. So I don't even wanna develop a cash buyer list. What I mm-hmm. wanna develop is a wholesaler list. Because what I found is other wholesalers that are doing that business really full-time, the players, mm-hmm. they're gonna have a better cash buyer than I would, or that I'm willing to develop. Yeah. So I'll go to, I'll go to you, Steve, and say, hey, I got this deal, uh, shop, it to your, shop it to your buyers, mm-hmm. and we'll co-wholesale. Yeah. And even that has worked brilliantly. And I don't even need, I can find the players on Craigslist in about an hour. Right. I can, I can find them. I can talk to them and I can co-wholesale a deal in an hour if it's a deal. Yeah. Cause if it's a deal, those guys are going to have buyers ready to go. Right. And they're glad they'll gladly co-wholesale with you. Yeah. Simple JV agreement done. Okay. That and, makes a lot of sense. And, and a lot of those are 20 grand, 30 grand gross that you're, that you're splitting with that wholesaler. And so it's a little different mindset because everything you learn about the business is build a cash buyer list, build a cash buyer list, mm-hmm. and then do these, do this massive acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And you are, if you want to dominate as a wholesaler and own, own the whole thing, right? acquisitions to disposition. Uh, but since I'm kind of more focusing on higher margin flips, mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't really need that model right. so much. It's not, it's not as critical to your operation. Yeah. 
So yeah. let's talk about markets because you talked about you know Hurricane Harvey, mm-hmm. and it was obviously here. You know, heard, yeah. heard you talk about Utah. So what markets are you are you, are you virtually flipping in? Well, so it really doesn't matter if somebody finds a deal that meets that criteria I like. I don't care where it's at in the mm-hmm. U.S. Okay. Yeah. Now I have a few rules like I don't like low end. So my, I mean, ideally, like I was saying earlier, I love the three to six hundred. I get really mm-hmm. excited there because I can learn that model anywhere. Yeah. It's that's an easy one to learn. Over 600 in a market I don't know is a little more work because there's some nuances there because now you're hitting luxury mm-hmm. and that's going to change market to market, even what you do, mm-hmm. you know, and what that buyer wants. Uh, the under 300, I don't get so excited about and I won't touch anything that ARVs less than 100. Yeah. Really okay. 150 because it's just for what you'll make on that, it's not worth the time, energy and effort. If you know how to make more for the same time, energy and effort at a little higher end. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like I honestly, Steve, I see the flippers here in Arizona and it blows my fixing flippers. It blows Mm -hmm. my mind how competitive it is at the 200,000 price point, how little margins they make and how there there's one after another that'll Mm -hmm. do it. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand a five or $10,000 profit margin doing a fix and flip. Right. Well, for, for the risk. Yeah. There's e- there's easier ways to make five or ten yeah. grand. I mean, the wholesaler made more than you did, right? Usually. Well, and I think that's kind of the attitude you see in their on our Facebook forums. They're like, man, the wholesaler is is, is eating better right now yeah. than the flippers are. I did one. I did one this past summer, Steve. It was a. Uh, I picked up a package back in back in Detroit, Oak Park, Michigan. It was five houses from a burned out landlord. I picked mm-hmm. them all up, and these were these were my old model of like 125, 150 ARV, mm-hmm. little thousand square foot brick ranches. 25 grand, easy rehabs. Like I just, I can do that in a, like in my sleep. And one of them, I was like, you know what? I've done the other four. I kind of am done with this. I'm bored with this. I'm just going to wholesale this last one. I make two phone calls and I wholesale this thing for like 32 grand to a fix and flipper. And I know what it takes to fix them up. I know what it'll sell for. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's going to make 15 grand if he does everything right. He's going to yeah. make 15 grand. I just made 32 wholesaling it. Yeah. So I get it. I mean, I see why now there has been, there is no better time to wholesale. But here's the thing that here's the trade-off harder to get deals, make more money than you ever made wholesaling Mm -hmm. because the buyers are overpaying. They're way out of formula. Yeah, they are. Like in Arizona, I think I I talked to one wholesaler that does about 80, 80 wholesales. I don't know if you know Dave McLennan. Mm, uh, I know of him. Okay. Super great guy. Good friends. You know, I grew up with him, so I know him for a long time. Yeah. He told me, he said, Jerry, my cash buyer formula is 82%. Mm-hmm. It is. 82%. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is right now. <laughs> That's what it is today. It's 82% minus repairs. I don't, I don't know anyone's paying 82% outright. But 80, 82%, 82% less repairs. Yeah, that's yeah, 82% what, less repairs. That's been the formula for about a year now. Mine's in, in 65%, you know, maybe 70%, right? Yeah. Like, so, oh my God. I can't, so... If you're in if you're in the low end business, if you're going to flip in the 200 price point, do not be a fix and flipper. Be a wholesaler because yeah. you you the wholesalers are making all the money. Right. Because they're 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 getting the off market deals. Mm-hmm. They're making 25. The fix and flipper who's doing all the work, taking all the risk, and taking all the risk is making 15, 10. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, crazy how that is. But that is. it's because it's because it's harder to find deals. So when you get that deal, there's a lot of meat on the bone. Yeah. Uh, so we already talked about Flipster. That's the name of your. Mm-hmm. That's okay. my software. That's your yep. software. So is that the tool that you can't live without? 
Yeah, that's the tool you can't live without. Okay. Uh, and then what would you do if the market dips? Well, so um, the fortunate thing about flipping is you really should you really shouldn't get caught in the market because you're not in it long term. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I luxury, though, you're in it in luxury. You are in it a little bit. So there is there's more risk there, especially like the, you know, Paradise Valley, three to five million dollar homes. Yeah. Those are 18 two year turns. Mm -hmm. So you could definitely get caught in some of those. Um, I actually hope that we flatten out and we level out some more in the market. And the reason why is because I think the majority of flippers will go away because they're surviving on accident right now. Yeah. Because they're riding an appreciating market. So they're screwing up and still making money. Right. When it's a, when it's a flatter market, they go away a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. And then you're left with just people that know what they're doing. Yeah. And I want, I, I think it would help the, the real flippers and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. No, not at all. There's, it's, we have the same exact mantra in real estate, right? Like you can, if you're in an appreciating market, even if you price it wrong, it'll still sell. Yeah. yeah. So if the market will just flatten some, then all of these flippers at 82% making 10 or 15, they will go out of business because yeah. they'll start losing money. Right. And they only need to lose money a couple of times before they go back to the job or whatever. Yeah. And so then we'll get back to more healthy formulas and it won't be so competitive on the, on the, you know, the buy side. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I went through 2010, I didn't slow down one bit. Um, I had to work a whole lot harder selling, but I could buy any day of the week. 2010, the world's oh your oyster. My foreclosures were like, like REOs. Yeah. I would just buy REOs like right. any day I wanted. But then, but then it was like getting your buyer to qualify for financing was a whole nother story. Yeah. But I did fine then. So what is your biggest struggle right now? Well, it's uh, the same as everybody finding deals, getting mm -hmm. deals, you know? So, because the challenge I have right now, Steve, is because so many flippers will pay 82% and I want to be at 70%, mm -hmm. the player, the wholesalers that have a list, they can make more with their list than bringing me deals. Right. That's my biggest challenge is I'm having a hard time from the serious, like A player wholesalers mm -hmm. who are good at getting deals because they can make more with somebody else. Right. So where I've had to really rely on is the entry level new bird doggers. Bird doggers that mm -hmm. don't have a cash buyer list, don't know that they could get more if they did and they bring them to me. But they don't know how to get more also. Right. Right. They wouldn't know they don't have a buyers list yet. Right. Yeah. So okay. it works, but it means I've got to cultivate 10 times more bird dogs because 9 out of 10 don't stick with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then what would you consider to be your superpower? Um, systems. Yeah. Systems, having a business focus on this. You know, if you think about it, Steve, if, if you're a onesie twosie flipper, let's take fix and flip. Mm -hmm. And you put all your focus in finding the deal, all your focus in managing the deal, all your focus in marketing and selling the deal. And you can turn a deal in four or five months and then you start all over again. You're only going to do three deals a year. Max. Yeah. Right. Right, and that's how most flippers operate. They're they're a three to five a year company, but they could easily do ten or fifteen and half the work that they're spending right now if they just learned how to develop out some systems with technology and and some team people. Yeah, and they're and they would make way they'd make way more money and they'd have way more time and freedom. Right, which is the end goal. Which is why everybody does this in the first place. Right, like why are you doing this? 
exactly. I found that. I went from one job to another job. I made more money, but it was just another job. Yeah. And that's not why I did this. You weren't it's, fulfilled. Yeah, I wasn't fulfilled. So focusing well, on that lifestyle first is key. I absolutely. Uh, what is the greatest lesson you've learned? That success in this business is 90% mindset, 10% skill. You can learn how to wholesale. You can learn how to fix and flip. That's the 10%. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, if if you don't have an abundance mindset, you don't have a healthy relationship with money, and how that works with time, with success, then you'll you'll just self sabotage. You'll never, your, your thermostat will reset back to broke and back to struggle and back to hardship, and back to scarcity. And that's so incredibly true about the thermostat. Um, so for you guys that don't know, you know, the, you got your temperature thermostat, right? If it says 75, the room gets hotter, AC turns on, it gets lower, the heater, heater turns on. So we all have a financial thermostat. Yeah. And if you're accustomed to a certain amount of money, when you start, when money starts coming in, you find a way to blow it to get back to the same. Subconsciously. Yeah. You don't even know you're doing it. You yeah. find a way to do it. And we see that with people that win the lottery. Yeah. And uh, I did that for a long time. I was roller coaster and I'm like, why am I broke again? I just made money. You know, and so I had to really work on that. And yeah. uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind was transformational for me. T. Harv Eker, his book. Mm -hmm. I still listen to that book a couple times a year on oh, audio. Oh, really? Yeah, I've listened to it 25 times. Yeah. Because I got to go back and make sure my, my uh, you know, my wealth files are, in, are aligned, my affirmations. Oh. And because, you know, these things are ingrained in us from our childhood. Mm -hmm. They're not easy to eradicate. Yeah, we're programmed. We're <laughs> yeah, programmed they're programmed in there deep. And yeah. they'll resurface. They'll, they'll rear their ugly head. You know, the other thing I, I think, Steve, is, um, you know, what I tell people is make more offers. Mm -hmm. And so I have a belief that if you make 100 offers a month, that's five a day, five days a week, 25 a week, 100 a month. If you just do that, you will get a deal. It's the law of averages. It's, yeah. just, it's just how it works. Exactly. But most people aren't willing to do it. No, they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of rejection. That's yeah. the exact reason why they're afraid of rejection. And I, I tell people this and they get to offer number 40 and then they say to me, you know what? This doesn't work. Yeah. And it's like, you, you're giving up too early. Make a hundred offers. You will get that deal of a lifetime if you're willing to make a hundred offers a month. All right. Just do it. Yeah. Let That's... it roll off your back when you get the rejection. Don't sweat it and just make more offers. If that property's still available, if, if they're asking 180 and you offer 110, and it's still available next week, offer again, offer mm -hmm. again, offer again. I can't tell you how many stories where, you know, it's it's listed for 120, you offer 60, they say no, you offer again, you offer again, you offer again, six months later, they take your 60. Like that happens Yeah. more than you'll think if you'll just do it. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, oh, it makes a lot of sense. So Sean Adanda, uh, Ananda had a question, is Flipster a mobile app or a desktop app? It's mobile friendly. So you log in just like you would on the desktop mm -hmm. and it works just fine on your iPhone or iPad. Yeah. Yeah. So if they want to learn more about Flipster, how, how, do, how, how do they do that? So Flipster, if you go to um, Flipster software uh, slash 97, that will take you to a, uh, a video you can watch where it, walk, it goes through all what it is. It's about mm -hmm. a 10 minute video. And then they can, you can decide uh, there's three different levels of it. Mm-hmm. And then you can decide at the end of that video if you want to do the the basic pro or prime. Yeah. And you get more things, obviously, depending on which level you go. Right. Yeah. It's so it's a monthly subscription. Yeah. Yep. Cancel anytime. Yeah. But you'll find that it'll it'll change your life. What I tell people is, if you're brand new, follow follow the Flipster system of doing the data entry and the you know tracking everything. 
the temptation is, you know what? I really don't need to do all of this because it's just, I got one deal going on and mm-hmm. I can, I already know everything about it. But if you, if it's like anything, if you build the right mindset around it and the and right habits. process, then when you start getting to three and four and five, you're, you're jamming, man. You can yeah. do it. You can manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then guys, uh, this Jerry is always looking for deals. He's got, you've built a nationwide referral network of bird dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to send him deals, it's pretty simple. All you gotta do is, and you get paid $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got the capital, he's got the system for fixing them up and he's selling them. So if you're new to real estate and want ready to go buyer or you're a seasoned wholesaler, you want to get more, uh, serious cash, uh, buyer take deals to just go to findhousesgetpaid.com, F-I-N-D-H-O-U-S-E-S-G-E-T-P-A-I-D.com. And from there, you can see a web training mm-hmm. on how to get started, yep. on how to bring you deals. And then he's also got that project we talked about earlier. It was Real Estate Freedom TV. Definitely check it out. Uh, I, I watched a few episodes. It was pretty exciting. Oh, cool. So, Thank you. Uh, and again, guys, if you like this show, please share this episode right now. Um, and next week, we do have Brian Kingdesky. He's coming on. He's another volume flipper in, in our market. So uh, he's going to talk about his way of flipping, and then uh, it'll be very interesting. Thank you guys mm-hmm. for tuning in, and thank you. Yeah, this thank has you, been Steve. An absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. Got a lot of gems out of this. I'll see you guys next week.